0: That's 30-some years ago. I got a phone call that was going to change my life. It's from a guy named Steve Thompson who lived in Ohio. And we, we, lived, we got the phone call where we were living over on Bradley Street. Steve said, we're looking for a pastor, and uh, we wondered if you would be willing to come down and consider being our pastor. We ended up going to Ohio, and we were there for 10 years. And so uh, I was Steve's pastor for 10 years in Ohio. And uh, I went over to visit his home. He's obviously a good guy and a guy that people had a lot of regard for. A, a young guy, but, but a guy that had a, a lot of potential. Everybody could see it. I went over to visit his home and kind of get his story. And, and uh, then I came back uh, with Lois a, a week or two later for dinner at their house. And the more we talked, the more I realized that Steve was good stuff, but he was really, really young in the Lord. As a matter of fact, at one point, uh, do you remember this, Lois? I said, go get your Bible. I want to show you something. So he went back in his bedroom, and he brought this Bible out. And it was the kind of Bible that you would give to a child that you awarded at Sunday school. And when he opened it up, it went crack, which is really not a good sign. So like right now, if your Bible's going to do that, just use your phone or something. I said, well, Steve, I said, come with me. And, and I said, the ladies were making some stuff to eat, and the kids were playing. I said, come with me, I want, I, want to, I want to give you something. And we drove to the church because I had, uh, there was a book distributor out right here in Spring Arbor. A young lady in the church had found a beautiful uh, leather thumb indexed uh, reference Bible, a Thompson chain reference Bible, which I thought was ironic because this guy's name was Steve Thompson. I said, I got a nice Bible for you, and I gave him this, this beautiful leather bound. Thompson chain reference Bible to Steve Thompson, and Steve really started to grow, and became really quite a quite a leader there. And uh, ten years later, you know, his kids had grown. We were this pet, kids passed for ten years. the The, the day we left, uh, his youngest child Andrew, who's a public school teacher and a coach now, is all grown up. Was a little boy, and he was just he was just weeping, which is what you're supposed to do. When your pastor leaves just weeping And he was just doing a great job of that A couple years ago. I got a letter from Steve's wife, janet She said hey pastor ken, this is janet thompson I want to send you a note and let you know that i'm thanking god for you today Because when I was reading philippians 4 8 I never hear that verse without thinking about you and that day that you met steve for breakfast and you shared that with him I am so thankful for the years you invested in our family. It's by far the greatest time of growth that we have ever had. Today, I'm going wedding shopping for our precious Kelly's wedding this summer. And that also makes me think of you, because without your ministry, we would have missed one of the greatest blessings of our lives. I encourage them to have kids. Um, And now, and now we have 11 grandchildren. Steve and I had a conversation not so long ago. He was the president of the of the school board. He's still on the, on the school board in Mount Vernon. He's a, he's a godly leader with a, beautiful, with a beautiful family. And I was there. I was there with him the day that God put a vision for a godly family in his heart. We were driving together in our car. We had a little Ford Escort. We were driving up here to Michigan for a conference. And we were listening to cassette tapes. If you're really old, you remember cassette tapes. And we had cassette tapes of Steve and Annie Chapman. And Steve and Annie Chapman... Uh, were singing songs about family tear jer- tear jerking songs about family And steve and I would listen and we both had tender hearts We'd listen to those songs and cry a little bit and Then we would talk a little bit And during that time steve would tell me later that god put a vision in his heart a picture in his heart Of what it would look like to have a godly family And so many years have passed that now we can look back and we can see that not only did steve and janet have a godly family but they also have children who have who have godly families it it's really it's really a beautiful story when you think about it and we need that you need to have a picture in your mind of what could happen if you were to follow the lord and inspire your children to follow the lord but there's something more that you need if you study this passage in deuteronomy 6 you'll notice that you don't really just need kind of a picture of what it would look like to follow the lord but you really need a picture of what it would look like if you don't follow the lord you really you have to have kind of an inspiring vision which is very powerful. Perhaps it's the most powerful thing But you also always have to remind yourself What happens if your faith isn't genuine if you stray from obedience to the lord And so you see that in the text today Which as you know, if you've been coming week after week, which is supposed to come every week and never miss um, you know that we're preaching through deuteronomy chapter 6 and we're talking here about a time when, when Moses was giving a discourse, obviously inspired by the Lord, to motivate the people to try again, and go into the promised land and obey the Lord and trust God and go in and, and inherit the promises that he'd given them. And he was, God was giving the people a second chance. And as I've mentioned before, there were three discourses by Moses that are covered in the book of Deuteronomy. And this is in, in the chapter 6. We'll just read and review, and then, I'll, and then we'll talk about that, the importance of that warning. Now, this is uh, Deuteronomy 6.1. This is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. That it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. That's why we say, if you want. To have a family that grows in love for God, a lifelong love for God, you need to show them what it looks like. And so just for the sake of memory, we gave that message a two-word title. Show them. And then in verse 7, we said, tell them, which is specifically what it says. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You're taking every opportunity for formal and informal conversation and teaching you know about the love for god and then you shall bind them as a sign on your hand they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates this is addressed to each of the people in the context of nation and family um it's it's not you impose this on your children it's you do this for you in the in the presence of your children you you mark everything you own has the mark of god upon it so we said that's we, we used the, the little reminder remind them show them love for god talk about your love for god remind them of your love for god and then today it's like warn warn them and you know when i say warn them that's a bit of a stretch that's the, the text is actually saying be warned yourself be warned yourself and and so in, in case you you know you're tempted to Take this as a license to, to badger your children. Do be careful about that. Right? There's a limit to how much uh, rebuke and how much admonishment and how much warning you know they can take. You want to be very, very wise. But the text is actually saying, be warned. Let's read it together. And it, is, it really is chilling when you think of it. When I, when I think about this, I think about um, being an encouraging pastor. I, I want to be an encouraging pastor. I want to be positive and happy and joyful, and uh, I want you to leave with a with a little step. Um, but sometimes you you need to be warned. I'll get to the text in a second. I got a warning from my mother Friday morning. Came on my phone as I was getting ready to get on I ninety four. Mom warned me about ten thirty in the morning. We were headed to Chelsea on I ninety four, and Mom says, "Are you okay?" There's a pileup on I-94. I just called my mother and I said, you mind your own business. You don't call me and warn me. I'm grown up. I don't need you to tell me what to do. Do you think that's what I did? Of course not. I said, Lois, thank God. My mom, I called her. I said, Mom, thank you for the warning. You saved us a lot of trouble. So we went the pretty back way to Chelsea and we had a great day. And we weren't involved you know, in the, in the pile up or, in the, you know, or all, the, all the difficulty of that because I had a, a warning because my mama, she, she thinks about me all the time. And she warns me of things uh, like that. A warning isn't necessarily a bad thing. So, so I don't want you to feel beat up today. I was preaching in, in, another, <laughs> in another church once and I was just, it was direct, let's just say. It was direct. And when I got done, this guy Bob comes out and he says to me, Pastor I felt like a child. I just felt like you were you treated me like a child today And so I said well, bob We should probably have coffee and and talk about that What I really wanted to say was bob Hold on a minute while I choked you with my bare hands But but I said no, 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 I didn't I didn't didn't really I didn't really feel that way I'm, just kidding. I said well, we should have coffee And so we did we had coffee and then bob was so funny He brought this little card that had a little brad and it had a little meter. He goes this is my harangue meter He says you were way up here in the red you were haranguing us. You were rebuking us. You see, it's like, and he had like blue and yellow and orange and then red. And, the, and he turned it all the way over to the red. And He goes, Pastor, I'm just saying you got to back off a little bit. <laughs> you got to back off. And, and I want to report to you that Bob and I had a series of breakfast. And he helped me, and I know that I helped him. And we're friends today. But I get a kick out of it when I think about Bob's harangue meter. It's like, I don't want to go off the meter with you today. I don't want to beat you up. But the bible does say if you're a faithful pastor you will warn there's a warning here and i'll show you a few others but let's look now at the text and now we're in verse 10 and we're going to go to verse 15 but the the tenor and the atmosphere of all of deuteronomy does this it gives a pictures of what life the you know the preferred end what life should look like and then it gives a really dark picture of what it looks like If you don't obey the Lord and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers verse 10 To Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build Houses full of good things that you did not fill Cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant and when you eat and are full Then take care lest you forget the Lord Who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery it is the lord your god you shall fear him you shall serve by his name you shall swear you shall not go after other gods the gods of the peoples who are around you for the lord your god in your midst is a jealous god lest the anger of the lord your god be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth that's some chilling warning Moses in his his message that's inspired by God is saying When you go into the land and you have more ease and you inherit all these things that you didn't earn Don't serve the gods of the people around you Because God has every right to jealously the Bible says this in the book of James The Holy Spirit lives in us and jealously yearns over us. He has every right to our affection He's jealous for our affection and he has and that's not a sin. That's a virtue. That's one of God's virtues if you look in chapter 8 and verse 11, you, you, get, the, you get the heart of this you know, again. Chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes which I command you today. Lest when you've eaten and you're full and you've built good houses and live in them and you, your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up. and, and you, There it is again. You forget the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery you see that and verse 17 beware beware lest you say in your heart my power and the might of my hand has got me this wealth you shall remember the lord your god for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day don't don't forget the Lord. Verse nineteen: If you forget the Lord your God, go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I solemnly warn you today: You will surely perish like the nations the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord. These are stern warnings, and anyone who's like really faithful, faithful in in love, warns. And and there's a reason because we live in every day in an atmosphere of intense spiritual danger and the bible says there are at least three reasons for that you know we call them it's, it's from james we call them the world and the flesh and the devil and these are all capable of destroying us and we live in that atmosphere every day an atmosphere of great spiritual danger and even though there are these prospects of goods around us like it says in james 1 every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights He's just like the the heavenly Father, the one who made the sun, the moon, the stars, and the heavenly bodies. Is eager to pour out good gifts on you. That's the way he is. But there, but but also in, in that there are uh, d- dangers of, of drifting away from him. And the same book in James chapter three and verse fifteen is where you get this: the world, the flesh, and the devil in james it's warning about sins of the tongue it's warning about sins of the attitude it's warning about lack of love for people it's learning it's warning there in that text context about pettiness about jealousy about selfishness and he says these things they don't come from god but they are in james 3 15 earthly sensual devilish and that's where one of the places in the bible where we get that our enemies are the world the flesh and the say it again the world the flesh the devil so the world that we live in is unfriendly to our faith the, the world we're trying to raise our families in hates our god what's popular with god isn't popular with this world what's, what's popular in this world is not popular with god it's not ever going to change it's the way it is the world is, is not our friend in that sense the world system is our enemy the, the bible is very clear about that Here, here's a, a passage just to gives a taste of this you're familiar with this. It's in First Timothy, and uh, in, in chapter uh, three. I'm sorry, Second Timothy three. Second Timothy three. Understand this: in the last days, there will be times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous reckless swollen with conceit lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god they have an appearance of godliness but they deny its power avoid them avoid such people this is a little taste little example you know the, the so understand why do we need a warning we need a warning because we're we're in a really dangerous spiritual atmosphere The world around us is not our friend in that sense. And so we're, we're walking through a spiritual minefield We're trying to raise our kids in a spiritual minefield all the time That's why we use the old bible word circumspect where we carefully avoid these these dangers We've got to recognize that the world is a danger and that's why it says In deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 14 when you go into the land don't serve the gods of the people around you don't give in to idolatry so you have the world then you have the flesh usually we're our own worst problem our indwelling sin right that's in us is is our is our worst problem it's it's almost like this if you're a believer you say well you know you know the penalty of sin has been paid by christ and i believe in him and i'm going to be delivered from that and i'm looking forward to heaven but it's almost like you are we're a prisoner of war and the war has been won but the prison camp you live in hasn't been liberated quite yet so the world that we live in is kind of a is still the the victory needs to be realized in a very powerful way in 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 the future in between we can get hurt real bad to butcher the grammar there we can get hurt real bad during that time because we live in this world and then we we have this flesh or this um that's why isolation isn't enough to keep your kids from sin because they carry it around with them and and their mom does and, they, and their dad does too it's just all in there right that's why uh, legalism legislation isn't enough because our the roots of sin are much deeper than what you can just wipe off by a few little rules you know little signs that you hang around your life don't touch this don't do that like that why is that unhelpful if you see a sign don't walk on the grass how many of you are like me? You just want to walk on the grass. You weren't gonna walk on the grass until you saw the sign. Uh Romans 8 13. If you live according to the flesh, you die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you live. Romans 13:4. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make any provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. This indwelling sin, in Galatians, uh, Paul wrote in Galatians six, seven, and eight. Says he said, "Don't be deceived. God isn't mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, rottenness. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life." So you have this promise and warning, right? You you want life, sow to the Spirit. You want death, rotten corruption, sow to the flesh, the world, the flesh. These are two great enemies that we always face Therefore we need regular warnings We need teachers and preachers and moms and dads that say be careful son don't go there That's not gonna go well God God's people all throughout time know not to do that not to go there first second uh, corinthians 7 1 therefore having these promises These are promises of, of Intimacy with god having these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit And let's perfect holiness in the fear of god In first corinthians 10 12 also warrants and i'm sure you've heard this who if you think you stand be careful Because you might fall So what you have in the world and then of course you have the sophisticated demonic network that's tirelessly working to destroy us the devil and fallen angels This is the reality. Okay, what's the world like around you? you may not may not see it But you have the world around you that's unfriendly to your faith You have the flesh within you or your indwelling sin even as a believer that's constantly leaning against your faith and then you have a demonic network uh, that's sophisticated and very powerful all around you that's in the unseen world that's working against you you're like no wonder i'm having trouble <laughs> i'm serious you just better not try handling that with positive thinking positive thinking is the ugly little sister of faith they it, it, just being cheerful and inspiring is not going to conquer these these powerful spiritual enemies it that's what That's what God wants Moses to warn the people. You're going into a land that is very hostile to faith. People, Bethel people, we live in a place, we're raising our kids in a place that is very hostile to faith. We love this world. We love the people in this world, right? We love the souls in this world. We love the earth itself, the the planet that we're on. But the system that's in place is under the power of the evil one, and we've got to know that we live as the spiritual resistance in that and that's why we have to regularly warn one another because we have this explosive combination of the world of flesh and the devil like dry wood doused with gasoline and the devil comes along and he lights a match of opportunity and the whole thing goes up in a big explosion of sin anybody here ever experienced that in their life and so we need to warn each other and the scripture is filled with warnings every once in a while you know you might be tempted to pick a, a teacher that doesn't do any warning just you know a preacher that's positive and inspiring and, and just doesn't you know doesn't go there you know if you're ever tempted to be that kind of a teacher or that kind of a mom or dad or that kind of a pastor you wouldn't be like jesus because he wasn't like that you wouldn't be like paul because he wasn't like that you wouldn't be like peter or james or john you wouldn't be like any of the prophets of the old testament you'd just be kind of on your own there you'd be kind of a religious. Inspirational speaker, but you wouldn't be a faithful prophet of god if you don't warn people You're not like jesus See you gotta warn G- Give you a couple examples. I-, I-, I love this one ephesian elders If you want a little extracurricular reading on the lord's day afternoon go to that beautiful narrative of paul on his way to Jerusalem Aware that he's probably never going to see the elders from Ephesus again He meets them in Miletus and there's that gorgeous little speech that he gives in this little meeting. That's described there in in Oh, let's just read it acts chapter 20 You guys don't mind going to lunch late. Do you? No, some of you like I'm leaving right now. Um acts chapter 20 stay with me And he meets these elders in Miletus. one of the most touching scenes in the Bible But he says three things And it's the kind of pastor you need to have the kind of teachers you need to have the kind of mom You want to be the kind of dad you ought to be would be saying things like verse 20 I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable When you interview paul, he didn't leave out the hard things Right, he didn't do that He said I verse 20. I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable Not only I taught you publicly, but I came to your house and I told you one-on-one house to house Verse 27. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God I didn't leave anything out. He said One sign of a teacher that's false is he teaches truth, but not all of it Watch out for the guy who won't tell you all the truth You don't really have the truth unless you have all the truth Even if all that he said was true, but he didn't say all the truth That was false remember that paul says i didn't shrink from declaring you the whole counsel of god and he says this sounds like a warning right pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the holy spirit has made you overseers these are he's speaking to elders overseers bishops elders bishops pastors all the same he says Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then look in verse uh, 31. I did not cease night or day to admonish. That's another word for warn. Night and day I warned you weeping. So so if you want to be a faithful teacher or pastor, you can't leave the warning stuff out. You can't be a good mom and never warn. And you start, ladies, by warning yourself over and over again. You live with a circumspect, careful, thoughtful heart, warning yourself, right, of spiritual dangers. And so it is with a godly man who's a dad who presides over this household, as kind of the high priest of the household. And he warns himself. He watches over his own soul. When he says a word he shouldn't say, he makes it right. Right? when he sees something he shouldn't look at he gets a, a cluster of friends and confesses to them and he gets help and he walks pure, in a in a pure way he starts over he walks in, in purity because he he knows that our god is a consuming fire and that you that the that the bible gives stern warnings against these about giving into these kinds of sins the the, the lord is the avenger of all such it says about the person who thinks that he can fornicate and not face the judgment of God God is the avenger of all such when it talks about Jesus coming back we all look forward to that you know but but it's in, it says in he comes in flaming fire taking vengeance upon those who who don't know him so we 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 shouldn't reduce God to kind of a toothless grandfather that's kind of benign and harmless this isn't the God of the bible there paul warned if you were to take your bible and we will not go there now though it would be powerful to see it and look in deuteronomy 28 there's a pattern that just keeps recurring in deuteronomy and you see it so clearly in deuteronomy 28 you see this picture that god gives if you go into the land and if you obey me this is i'm gonna hunt you down i'm gonna pursue you and tackle you with blessing my favor is going to be all over you my blessing is going to be all over you and on your children and all of that they're just rich beautiful but then it takes a very dark turn and it says but if you don't obey me and you don't love me and you don't follow me and then it's a very bad there's a very very dark picture this is what we want to do to our own souls in order to see to it that we have the the best advantage of giving of of, of passing on a love for god to generations and that is we are the kind of people who have like steve thompson and i got that day in the car a picture of what it could look like to have a godly family and we also have a picture of what it could look like if we stray from god and we and these need to be vivid pictures that we have in our soul to be blunt you know if you're not saved you'll be lost forever in eternal conscious torment away from the presence of God, away from any hope in an in, in, uh, in, in irreversible judgment of God. You, you know, so people say, well, you know, you, Jesus here and he's like pleading you for, yes, he, he pleads, but he won't always plead. You know, you'll stand before him as your judge. You're judging, you know, maybe him right now. Will I follow him? Will he be my Lord? But it won't be always that way. He will, you'll stand before him. He will judge you someday and the thoughts and intents of your heart. And if you are saved, but you turn away from the Lord, the Bible promises that because he loves you, he will chastise you. You just don't hear much about this, but the Bible is very clear. There is such a thing as chastisement. And so one of the first things that you should do when something bad happens to you is ask, God, is there anything I miss in my life that you're trying to help correct me here? This You could find the scripture there in Hebrews 12, uh, Hebrews, we have a moment, just take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12, just so that you see this, is a, is a clear biblical example of this, and it's a sweet thing, my, uh, my parents disciplined me co- constantly, they probably loved me more than my brothers and my sister, <laughs> because they sure did discipline me more than precious little pet Melanie, or pet family pet Nathan, or mr. perfect Kevin me they just like come over here Kenny let's use you for a whipping post no no I'm just kidding consider him verse 3 consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood And and if if you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you like a child son daughter My son don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord or be weary when reproved by him for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he Chastises every son whom he receives This is the warning that we have to have embedded in our soul that God won't allow his child to just go drifting off and doing their own thing without without chastise without warning I believe he's perfect, perfectly gentle. He gives those little whispered warnings first. And then, you know, things start getting a little dicey after that. Um, for this discipline that you have to endure, verse 7, God is treating you as sons. What son is there whom his father doesn't discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, you are illegitimate children, not sons besides this. We have earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them, shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live. They disciplined us for a short time. As it seemed best to them, He disciplines us for our, our good, that we may share His holiness. Wow! Okay, if I need discipline, Lord, oh, could you just whisper, and then I'll just obey right away. And could we not, let like, go to the woodshed? Let's just not go to the woodshed. Just, maybe just if you whisper, I'll just obey you really fast. God, if you just, when I'm reading my Bible in the morning, you point out a passage to me, I'll just get my life right, right away, so I don't have to go through, this doesn't have to get, You don't, Lord, you don't have to yell at me, just whisper in my ear. You don't even have to speak, God. Just look at my eyes. Direct me with your eyes if there's a look of disfavor on your face. I'm not going there. If there's a look of pleasure on your face, that's what I want to do. That's the way I want to be. Like a, like a good son who looks at his father for his good father, to, for his approval and favor, and obeys quickly. Oh, this is so beautiful. The mo- for the moment, this is a, one of those biblical understatements, verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A couple of words in this passage are holiness and righteousness, which you want. And how do you get them? You get disciplined by the Heavenly Father when you disobey. And that's for Christians. Unbelievers don't get discipline. They get judgment. Believers get discipline from the Lord if somebody tells you otherwise They cooked that up on their own. They didn't come out of the Bible because the Bible is very consistent about this Discipline can even lead to death. So you want to take God seriously Even if you know you'll never be under his curse because of the blood Yet you'll be under his discipline and that will not be fun But afterward it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are disciplined by it and holiness And that will be good because it'll be good for you in the long run. It's kind of like this Kenny this hurts me more than it hurts you you're gonna thank me for doing this someday like are you serious that's kind of like that now some of you are probably thinking in this series of messages what about my children who aren't really in love with the lord what about my grandchildren who, who really aren't walking with the lord what if you and some of you might even feel i don't know especially moms. I don't know, maybe moms and dads, we always feel like, I failed. I must have done something wrong. If I'd have only done this, and maybe you can look and say, man, that was a major mistake, and if I have many, many times had that conversation with people, just tears running down their face, and saying, if I only had it to do over again, I wouldn't have dropped my kids off for church. I'd have been right there with them. I wouldn't have been so harsh with my wife, I would have been understanding and loving and kind to her had a lady leave her husband once moved up to Vermont and uh, her husband begged me please please call my wife and you know I led him to the Lord and and uh, he said please call my wife tell her she shouldn't leave me she's gonna leave me and, and please call her in and, and talk to her I said well give me your number I'll I'll talk with her and I called her I'll never forget that conversation She's like, well, that's just a little too, too little too late, Pastor. When I was raising those kids, I begged him to go to church with me, and he'd just drop us off and go drink coffee with his buddies. I begged him to be a part of our life like that, and he wouldn't do it. I begged him to take God seriously. He wouldn't. And now it's just too late. And frankly, I'm not interested anymore. So what do you do if... um, You look around and you see that things aren't the way you wish they were. And I've been thinking about you, and let me just share three things. Now, first of all, that that may or may not be your fault because people have been given human responsibility and they can make choices. Like they say, Adam and Eve had a perfect father, right? And they made choices that weren't good, that we all have suffered from. So it may or may not be directly traceable to your wrongdoing or your neglect, but sometimes you'll know that it did that you did contribute to that. and I, It'd probably be safe to just confess any sin to the Lord. Just tell him. I have something I want to show you here, and maybe it'll help this stay in your mind. This is a... Went out in the dumpster a few months ago when we were cleaning junk out of our house. Sorry, Lois. I know this is embarrassing. You know what this is? This was uh, the top of our coffee table for three decades. And I put it out in the dumpster, and then I took a picture of it, and I started thinking about all the times that we knelt by this coffee table, and I couldn't throw it away. Here's how it would work I got this picture in my mind of what a family should be like. I wanted our family to be a godly family, I wanted them to love the Lord. Want wanted to love each other. And then I would go away to a conference and a seminar or something, and I would get teaching, and I would remember things that I had done wrong, mistakes that I had made, disciplines that I wish were more consistent in my life, words that I'd said I shouldn't have said, struggles that I had that I was slow to win, and I would come home and get the kids up in the morning, and I would kneel down at this table right here and i would say god i'm so sorry i need you to help me i'm not the man i should have been i would say to los honey please be patient with me i haven't done what i ought to do but i'm not going to quit trying and so over and over again this coffee table became an altar before god and then sometimes the kids would fuss and i'd try to get them together and then they would be hard against each other and then The Holy Spirit would come in and melt their little hearts and then and they would kneel down at this place right here, wouldn't they? And they would ask forgiveness of each other. And they would get right with each other. This is you gotta have one of these in your house right here. For price I can pay, I can sell you this one. (laughs) You you need one of these in your house. You gotta have one. You gotta have a place where you go, God, I sinned against you. I broke your law, I ignored your warnings. I said things I shouldn't have said. I thought things I shouldn't have thought. I did things I shouldn't have done. I went places I shouldn't have gone. I've been selfish. I've been serving the idols around me instead of you. And I admit it. Confess it. That's number one. Number two is along with this confession, which is important. Here's another powerful thing, and that is what do you do? Kids, maybe you have a home, maybe grandkids. And it's just one simple thing, and that is love them. Confess your sin to God, if there's sin on your part. Confess any sin to them, and acknowledge that to them. And then do the powerful thing of loving them. The, the most powerful thing it would be the love of your example. I was at a conference one time, and a pastor who was an evangelist in a very, very rigid iteration of Baptist churches. He was an evangelist in in a very, very rigid group, and his son kind of started to stray a little bit. And he went off and he did things that were off the charts for his group of churches. And one of the most notable things was he grew his hair long. And in that group of churches, you just didn't do that, even if Jesus had long hair. (laughs) So the kid goes off and he grows his hair long, And then the evangelist has to have pictures taken of his family to send out to all the churches where he's going to go preach. And he says to his wife, we're not going to tell the boy that we're having pictures taken. We're just going to have pictures taken without him. And then she said, well, then you can have the picture taken without me too. Because if he's not going to be in the picture, I'm not going to be in the picture. Some guys need a wife like that, amen? Go ahead, say amen. Yeah. So he says, maybe you're right. And he takes the picture with his boy with the long hair. And it wasn't long after that that the boy made steps back to the Lord. So your kid's going to do something that isn't right. Like you've done things that aren't right. He's going to make decisions that aren't wise, like you've made decisions that wise. He may have a period of his life of he strays away, but you don't give up, right? You, you confess your sin, if there's any sin on your part. You confess it to Him. Then you love Him. You build a strong bridge of love. You don't reject Him. And then you pray. In other words, it's like confess your sin and then do what you can do and then ask God to do what only God can do. Those are the three things. Confess your sin, if there's sin, right? And then do what you can do. That means love them. Love them, build strong relationship and then ask God to do what no man can do because we really are talking about conversion here. Once a person has the Holy Spirit in them, they're good to go, right? God is going to do his work in them. He's going to bring them to himself. And so it is confession and love and prayer. And this is where you want to go. If you haven't guessed, there's so much more I can say. But I think I've said enough. So what I want to do right now is I would like for you to stand. Would you? And we're going to do a couple of things before we go home today. We're going to sing a song, More Love to Thee. But I don't want to just sing it, you know, like a song that you're not paying attention to rather than... But you actually expressing your love to the Lord. And, and, and maybe in, in all of this, it's like thinking of all these things that we talked about. God, this is the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a show them, tell them, remind them, warn them, pray, confess, live it in front of them, sincere, genuine, Jesus-following guy, girl. That's what I want. And when you sing the song, More Love to D, why don't you say that to them in your heart? And let's sing that together